Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bowl, Director of Public Affairs. Today we are joined by Spencer Tuma and B.J. Tanksley, our Director of National Legislative Programs and our Director of State Legislative Programs, because we've had so much going on with both of their uh, areas of expertise. So uh, we're going to try to cover what's been happening in the national uh, scene with trade first. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah. What is uh, what is the latest update with trade? I know there's been a whole lot happening um, over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah. So the last couple of weeks have been really um, interesting. It's kind of been like a roller coaster in the trade world. So um, we saw a couple of weeks ago that um, the administration announced that they were going to impose additional tariffs on China because there was apparently a breakdown in negotiations. We were kind of under the um, under the impression that we were getting pretty close to an agreement with China. Um, unfortunately, it sounds like talks have kind of taken a negative turn. So um, when we announced that we were going to impose additional tariffs, the Chinese announced that they were going to retaliate. Um, so that has caused some you know, changes in markets, and a lot of people are, are pretty worried about the trade war. We did see, though, in the last couple of days, an agreement um, with Canada and Mexico to lift the steel and aluminum tariffs that have been in place for a while. Um, that was a big roadblock um, for agriculture products. Mexico and Canada really retaliated pretty heavily on agriculture. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing those lifted, and hopefully that clears, uh, makes a more clear path for the passage of the USMCA. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the prerequisites that had been set by Speaker Pelosi, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Um, what So what is the path forward for that USMCA approval through Congress now? So the path forward is now a little more clear, but we're not totally out of the woods yet. So many House Democrats are really concerned about the labor enforcement provisions in the agreement. So Mexico, in the agreement has agreed to some um, new labor standards. And many in the U.S., um, particularly in the House of Representatives, are really concerned that there's no way for the U.S. to enforce the deal if Mexico goes back on their board. So that's kind of the biggest thing we're dealing with at the moment. Um, There's some talk that Mexico could address this through their legislature. Um, They're trying to figure out whether there will be changes made to the actual agreement or if there will just be what's called a side letter, which is kind of like an appendix to the agreement um, that works out those provisions. But um, we're not out of the woods yet, and it does have to be approved by both chambers of Congress before it becomes um, truly enacted. Right. And um, the the Chinese situation, uh, as you mentioned, is still kind of up in the air. Yeah. Any, any sign of when that's going to wrap up? You know, um, some days you hear things are going really well, and the next day you hear that there nobody's talking to anybody. So um, at this point, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, in the meantime, you know, the government, I think, has renewed its support for um, trade aid, which is something we saw come through last fall through the market facilitation program. This week, the administration is supposedly going to announce details of a new trade aid package. Uh, we don't have all the details on what that will look like. There have been very few um very little information released. So Mm -hmm. uh, we are having conversations with USDA and with our congressional delegation about that moving forward. And what about on the disaster relief um, situation? Where are we with that uh, in the Congress? We continue to see uh, really historic flooding and historic damage along the Missouri River in northwest Missouri, as well as the Mississippi River on the eastern part of the state, particularly around the St. Louis area and southeast Missouri as well. Uh, We have a lot of places where um, land has been under water for like over 30 days, so closer to even 100 days. So um, the 
the ability of our producers to get into the fields and get those cleaned up is, is really hindered at this point. Congress has been considering a disaster aid package that would um, provide funding for farmers to help rehabilitate their land. Uh, and also, <coughs> something we've really pushed for is including stored grain as something that USDA funds would be able to help recover losses from. That was something we identified very early on in the process that USDA did not have a mechanism to help with. And that's a significant loss for our producers. So we are still awaiting a federal disaster declaration from President Trump. Uh, but in the meantime, working with our congressional delegation to pass a disaster aid package that's good for agriculture. The House passed a version of their um, deal a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, it faces kind of an uncertain political future. There's a lot of controversy going on about um, funding for Puerto Rico because there was a disaster there as well. The president did say he would veto the House's bill. Um, so the Senate is working on their own proposal, and we will see if they end up, if the House ends up taking the Senate's proposal or if we'll go to conference. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's still quite a bit of uh, uncertainty there. I think so. There's been some headway, and I think we're closer to a deal than ever, but it, some of these areas of the United States have been waiting six to eight months for mm -hmm. disaster relief. And it, it's really helpful that Missouri was able to be included because it is so timely, but we can't let that opportunity get away from us. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it, but what's the situation with the disaster declaration? Why are we still waiting on that? Do we know why that is or when to expect it? So my understanding is that the request was submitted, I believe, March 21st, if I'm not mistaken. So we've been waiting quite a while for it. Mm -hmm. um, our organization sent a letter to President Trump asking him to approve the disaster declaration. And I know that the governor's office and both of our Senate offices have been in contact with the administration. Unfortunately, I don't know what the holdup is, and there aren't being there's not a lot of discussion going on. So hopefully, it's still coming. Um, my understanding is that Missouri uh, was above the threshold needed for a disaster declaration, so I'm not sure why it hasn't came down yet. And would that include all areas of the state that have been flooded uh, along Mississippi or Missouri rivers, or just the Northwest where we saw the? So the original disaster request included, I believe, 13 counties. And it was only through a specific date. So okay. any flooding that has occurred, new flooding that has occurred over the last, I'm not sure when that cutoff date was, would require a new declaration. Because okay. you can only request it through a specific event. Mm -hmm. It can't be just an open-ended, right. ongoing request. Yeah. So. Very interesting. All right. Well, we've also had a lot happening at the state capitol over the past couple of weeks, um, just the past three or four days, there was a ton of uh, activity as we got to the absolute drop-dead end of session at 6 p.m. on Friday. Um, quite a few big successes this year, but there you, know, you can never get everything you wanted in a legislative session. Um, BJ, what were the, the top-line uh, wins for us this year? Yeah. So um, last week we came in here and talked about what are we still looking forward to. Um, the big thing was the animal agriculture legislation, Senate Bill 391. That was a big win for us. Um, that would, you know, prevent local county health ordinances that were more stringent than the DNR regulation. We've talked a lot about that, but we were able to see that finally get passed um, Tuesday of last week. The House took it up and passed it by a vote of 103 to 44. Um, so we were ecstatic to see that get done. That's been a conversation inside of agriculture 
agriculture for um, around 20 years where agriculture has been facing these issues and having these county by county uh, patchwork of regulations um, and, and seeing this issue coming. Um, this year we were able to overcome some of that and, and have a major victory for all of animal agriculture. Um, so now um, we'll, we may see more animal agriculture across the state, but we definitely won't see um, anti-animal agricultural activists coming into counties to prevent specific operations from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have seen animal agriculture and and humans existing across the state, um, whether or not there were these ordinances. So I don't have the fear that we're going to have these drastic environmental problems that the other side said we were going to have. Um, but rather, I think we will see the state continue to move forward in a positive direction for both the environment and animal agriculture. You know, at a time where we were talking about trade and other things, um, expanded animal agriculture would be one thing that could be great for all of agriculture. You know, if you have more animals, if you're feeding more animals, they have to have feed. And we grow a lot of corn and soybeans here. So it's actually an opportunity for all of agriculture. Um, So that's one thing to definitely shout out when we talk about 391 is this was a, a coming together effort for Missouri Farm Bureau, Missouri Corn, Missouri Cattle, Missouri Soybean Association, MOAG, most of the major agriculture organizations across the state came together on this on this effort and it really goes to show what we can do when we all work together uh, and, when we're pulling in the same direction the legislature really pays attention and and there were a couple of um, concessions along the way to yes. um, revise some of the regulations related to um, these animal operations. What are some of those changes? So we expanded the notification. So if you're looking to expand your operation or go into um, a new operation is coming into an area, uh, we expanded the area around that for neighbor notification. So that'll reach more people. Um, And then also added some common sense regulations for some of that export um, fertilizer being taken out from these operations. setbacks from waterways and drinking water sources and public waters. Um, so I think those were pretty much common sense. Those are the same regulations that the that the operators themselves had to go by. So now some of that export material um, would, would has to go by those same setbacks. I think those were those were common sense, good for the environment, and not um, overly onerous on the operators themselves. Um, most are already abiding by those kind of things, um, and so um, gave uh, gave legislators some some comfort in that these weren't going to be out just abusing the environment. We know that they're not, but it made legislators more comfortable with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good, good thing to make people feel um, that, that the way that people are doing things is, is the way that they ought to be and probably is the way that they were anyway. Yeah. But it codifies it a little bit. Yeah. And when it comes down to passing bills, a lot of that comes into it. Mm -hmm. You've got to make sure that the other side is comfortable, even though that we know these drastic abuses aren't widespread happening out there anyway. uh, But making the other side more comfortable is definitely important in these. Right. Um, So what else in the in the last couple of days, closing days of session, uh, did we see get get done? Yeah. So we had a busy week. We also finalized the uh, wind taxation bill. So Mm -hmm. we talked some about that, too, making sure that local impact stays local. So we saw that get done in the final day of session. um, We passed or the House passed the transportation funding option. That would be the bonding program that the governor proposed starting way back in January during his um, State of the State address. Um, and so that's a, that's an option to offer some bonding back to the uh, 
back to the states to replace and repair 250 bridges that are already on the state improvement plan. Uh, but they added, as we may have mentioned before, a triggering mechanism where bring Spencer into this conversation mm-hmm. of making sure that this is triggered by the idea that we get enough money from the infra grant uh-huh. at the national level um, to replace the Rocheport Bridge. That bridge we all know is coming towards the end of its life where we're either going to have to make major repairs to it or replace it. Um, the state is hoping to leverage these grant dollars against getting that to get that infra grant. Um, and so the legislators said, well, if that's the plan, we get this money, we also get the bridge. Um, then we need to make sure that they go together. And if we don't get the infra grant dollars, mm-hmm. um, we don't go forward with the bonding, which a lot of people see as taking the state, taking on debt that will take you know seven years to pay off. And so I think that's a common sense measure. But then it goes back to the federal government. Right. Of hopefully we can get a, enough of that infra grant dollars to bring in. So. We're really hopeful that the infra grant will be something we'll see awarded coming this fall. Uh, Senator Blunt and Congresswoman Hartzler, really our entire congressional delegation has been been very actively supporting uh, the project on the Rocheport Bridge. And I think that does, you know, the administration itself has a very strong commitment to infrastructure. That's something we've been talking quite a bit about over the last few weeks at the federal level. Whether or not any new legislation gets done, I think there's it's not totally likely they will have a, a very good chance of that. But that infra grant, that's already funded. Um, so it's just a matter of whether or not Missouri has enough um enough points to get that award. Yeah, and I think we're, we're relatively well positioned. It's on mm-hmm. a major corridor on being I-70 there. It is vital to the transportation of the whole nation. Yes. Um, but there was the joke in the Capitol of, okay, Senator Blunt, let's see it. You know, <laughs> yeah. good luck because mm-hmm. it, it's a major a major ask because that it's dollars, you know, it, there's a pot of dollars and we would be asking for a large sum of it if we're mm-hmm. going to try to replace that bridge with it, those dollars. Is there a specific amount that we're hoping to get for that bridge for the, from the infra grant or do we really know? In 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 the bond in the SCR fourteen, they didn't put a specific dollar mm-hmm. because they said, okay, well, what if we put you know two hundred million in and we get a hundred and ninety nine, you mm-hmm. know? So they didn't want to put a specific dollar in there, um, but it was it was common knowledge that if it was it's if we receive enough to do the major development, yeah. um, and that dollar could shift, you know, that you could find other ways, you could get creative, but we wanted to make sure that it was enough to make that project go. Meaning if that project doesn't happen, then the others don't either. But it's obviously a major project. This is a major, like you Mm -hmm. said, major artery uh, across the nation. And I think that the U.S. Department of Transportation recognizes the need to do something about this Mm -hmm. potential major choke point if something were to go wrong with the bridge. Yeah, and I don't know what the likelihood is, but but I think we're as well positioned as you can hope. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got good leaders in Washington, and it is a major issue. We're not we're not talking about a side road here. It is major to the whole to the whole nation and moving of goods. Yeah. Anything else that passed the last week that uh, was was really important to our members? Yeah. um, Well, one thing is that we were interested in, and we talked a little bit about before was. Uh, the funding for the Department of Agriculture. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that they continue to be able to do do the things they need to. So we saw um, Senate Bill 133, which increased some of the fees that the Plant Industries Division, we were a part of um, helping form that proposal during the task force last summer. So we were glad to see that got done. Um, included in that bill were changes to Missouri's Industrial Hemp Program. A lot of uh, some of the listeners may be interested in getting involved in that. The bill made sure that this bill was in line with the new farm bill so that we could be f- 
ready to move forward for the 2020 growing season. Um, but then it had an emergency clause in it to let it go into effect immediately so that universities could begin studying the growth of, of, of industrial hemp. You know, that's what we've heard from producers now that we're getting close to this is, okay, we can do this, but we need to know, you know, what strains of seed are we looking for? What kind of genetics? What mm-hmm. soil type? When do we need to plant? What's the growing season going to look like? Um, so this bill would allow the universities move, to move forward with um, with research at that level. And so um, hopefully, you know, they hope if we can get some dry weather to put seeds in ground before too long and then see where that moves forward. You know, there's, there's multiple different strands of this stuff. There's different... Um, end uses and so some will be for oil some for fiber Um, and so we want to let some of that research get started before we just tell growers to go and good luck Mm -hmm. you know so that's that's one of the other things Um, transportation funding or um, broadband funding was another big one in the in the budget but I think we might have talked about that previously yeah I think it's hard to keep track of when all these things happen I think that one was a week or two ago so uh, those are most of the main things yeah, those, that did pass. Those are a lot of the, and obviously there's, there's, I've got a laundry list here of things we were interested in um, that passed, but, but those are the high topics mm-hmm. for sure. So on the, on the flip side of that, what are the, the biggest disappointments from this session? Yeah, the biggest disappointment is pretty clear. Um, was the property rights issue? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a lot. We had 500 plus um, landowners and, and just property rights advocates from across the state come in here to the Capitol and, and ask legislators to address a real issue that came up with the PSC's decision on Grain Belt Express, um, the use of eminent domain for that project. Um, and, and we had hoped to get that done. The The Senate took it to the floor the week before the last week, so with two weeks left, and, and it was filibustered for about three hours by um, a handful of senators. And, and then in the last weeks, um, the House sent it back over again in a new um, a new opportunity there, um, and it was made clear that there was a small number of senators who were going to prevent it from passing. You know, the last week of session, a lot of the discussion was taken up by talking about economic development um, for the GM plant and the abortion conversation, the pro-life conversation, depending on that. Um, so there was a lot of days um, in the session or the, there at the last week that weren't all that productive, but we did have an opportunity there Thursday afternoon and Friday um, where we were really hopeful that we would get that to the floor and have a conversation about it. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It wasn't from lack of trying from our supporters in the House and from others' leadership in the Capitol. It wasn't from lack of support of them trying to get it done, but just a matter of timing and the fact that we had one or two who said that they were going to stand up and prevent that from passage. In the last week of session, those kind of threats are taken very seriously um, and oftentimes make you just avoid the entire subject. I I will say thank you to all our supporters out there. Uh, We did get awfully close. And I think if the bill had come to a vote, we would have had the votes to pass it. But we just had a few who were adamantly opposed to it. They saw it from a green energy um, standpoint. They saw it as an energy diversification. um, And and several were supportive of the PSC's decision. and that kept us from getting to where we needed to go. I don't think that conversation stops, though. That's what I was going to ask, is yeah. if, what is the next step? Do we have some more hope for um, maybe changing this? Yeah, so the landowners up in that area, is my understanding that they are still challenging the PSC's decision. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still some procedural to that. To yeah, them. they're doing yeah. a legal appeal on that. Um, so that still is in process. Um, the counties, in my understanding, still are very interested in where their power lies in this, of whether or not Grain Belt has to have county assent from each of those counties to cross. And I know there are several who 
are not ready to go to that step. Um, so there's still several legal questions. Um, and then my understanding is the state of Illinois still hasn't said yes to it, and they don't have the wind power, the generation yet in, in Kansas where it's supposed to come from. So I don't think we're really close to seeing this project move forward. Um, but <clears throat> the conversation will continue. Um, it's really unfortunate we weren't able to have an immediate answer for that PSC yeah. decision. We had really hoped to get that done. I don't know that the conversation changes too much before next session um, because I know um, those that are on the side that we are really want to see this get done and are still um, adamant that it has to be addressed, and, and we feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, maybe one or two other things um, that uh, were on our list that we were really hoping we get taken care of this year in the session, but Uh, didn't quite make it across the finish line. What are a couple of those other things? Yeah. Kind of second on that list would probably be uh, prescription drug monitoring. Spencer, you know this Mm -hmm. has been a national conversation. It is not just a state issue. Missouri is the last state without a statewide prescription drug monitoring program. I I feel like I'm just hitting play when I say that because I've said (laughs) it so many times. Um, But it is a a national conversation. but the conservative caucus in the Senate, I'm, I, there's no way else to say it, said no to that. And and with those six senators staying united, and I wouldn't say that they're the only six that had questions about it, um, it, it just it didn't have the opportunity this year. I don't know where that conversation goes. I, it doesn't change Missouri Farm Bureau's position on it, that it is a key um, tool in the toolbox when we come to fighting the opioid crisis because it is affecting Missourians across the state. It's affecting nationally. Um right. And one of the, the biggest argument that's made against it is, well, we're not worse in opioid abuse. Well, I think that's a sign that we could be a lot better than we are. I don't I don't want to be fighting to be the chance of being worse. Yeah, I don't like, really want to wait until we are the worst to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, so. no doubt. And, and so hopefully we'll, we'll see some movement in that direction. I know there's the conversation will continue. You know, Representative Rader and the supporters in the Senate will still want that issue. Um, it just didn't happen this year. And there were other issues that the conservative caucus um, did come to compromise on. They, they came to compromise on the economic development plan. They did on the transportation plan. They did on several key issues this year. Um, so I think that was one that they said not this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't mean that there won't be compromise in the future. It doesn't mean that there won't be a conversation on it moving forward, but this year just wasn't the time for that one. And then the other one that we talked a lot about that didn't have a major conclusion probably would be um, feral hogs in the state of Missouri. Um, and this is another one where the national comes into key um, we did see legislation by Representative Dinkins um, that said that redefined a landowner's agent, and that is who could use artificial light to harvest a feral hog, basically who can spotlight and feral hog hunt in the dark. And so that just cleared up some of MDC's rules. MDC and her worked together to, to, to open that up to make sure that it was clear who could and couldn't do that. Um, but that was kind of a baby step. We would like to see um, some more overarching, you know, some penalties for moving feral hogs um, and really take a look at the feral hog issue. We know in those areas that do have a heavy infestation of these, they do drastic damage. And that's why it's become a national conversation. And, and we've seen some movement on that recently, um, talking about, you know, the hunting of feral hogs mm-hmm. on public lands. Yeah. yeah. And so what's the story with that, Spencer? So the federal government has posted in the federal register that they will be um, 
putting up for public comment the closure of the Mark Twain National Forest to um, public hog hunting. So um, you would not be able to hunt hogs on the Mark Twain National Forest. Does not change any, my understanding, it does not change any rules about if you're hunting on private land. Uh, but currently, I believe, and BJ, correct me if I'm wrong, all state lands are closed to public hog hog public hog hunting, excuse me, except for incidental take. Yes. So um, state conservation land and state park lands are have been closed, um, but this would be to the national forest. And, and as you said, in some cases, um, <clears throat> national forest lands have allowed for um, incidental take, meaning if you're out there deer hunting or other hunting and you come upon one, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But it would be aiming at the, the planned... Um, hunting of them right. largely as we know that's that's done with dogs and and scattering the the hogs and that has not happened yet that that hasn't gone into effect Correct. yet they're just taking comment on that currently yes it's a 60-day comment period okay well, it's we'll a 60 day comment period and my understanding is it would open this Friday I think this, this Friday the comment period will open so and, it'll be 60 okay. days 60 from this days Friday. from that so it sounded like it would kind of be in place for the coming fall right. by the time we really get around to that Farm Missouri Farm Bureau doesn't have a position on closures of not of public lands. We have seen in other states, Tennessee being the kind of one that's held up an example, when they shut down the the hunting on public lands, they did see their population start to dwindle way more um, than when they were allowing hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I won't assign exactly why that is that that happens, but they have seen greater successes when they don't have the interference of hunters on a continual basis. I was glad to hear in a recent conversation um, that if these efforts move forward, there will be a concern effort on the other side to continue the trapping, to up the uh-huh. trapping, trapping in these areas. Because a lot of what we heard is, oh, well, if you close these areas, and, and we've had these conversations, if you close these areas, then they're just a refuge for these things right. to breed and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, I think the conservation groups have heard that and, and have said, if you can get these closed, we're going to make an effort to go in there on a bigger scale um, to do the eradication efforts that mm-hmm. are so vital. Right. Absolutely. And we are looking also, you know, the 2018 Farm Bill had some funds for a feral hog eradication pilot program. Missouri is very well position to take advantage of some of those federal dollars. You know, we are, we're kind of the northernmost point, right? We're the last line to hold them back from encroaching farther north. So Mm -hmm. Missouri's in a very good position to really put some practices into place that could work. And we're hopeful that when those dollars do become available, we will have the ability to, to utilize them. Great. All right. You guys are still uh, very busy and maybe BJ is going to have a break for a little while, but still a lot going on in the national level. Yeah. I appreciate you guys taking the time to update us on where everything stands. Before we go, one thing that BJ touched on that I want to go back to Mm -hmm. is a lot of the successes in the state capitol and at the federal level wouldn't be possible without the contacts that are made by our membership directly to their Mm -hmm. legislators. And I know that makes a difference in the conversations that I have, but we sent out a lot of action alerts this state (laughs) legislative session. So um, just from my perspective, I just want to say thank you to our listeners and thank you to our members. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We had a major impact in the Capitol this year. We were able to achieve major issues, especially with that health ordinance legislation. Um, And and we we did come up short on one issue, but other than that, we wouldn't have gotten where we did without the hundreds of people, either through Mm -hmm. Farm Bureau's Capital Connection Program or to the rallies or Farm Bureau Legislative Day, coming and taking an active role in what we do. Um, That was a major um, benefit to me in the Capitol 
capital. I, I say it all the time and kind of half jokingly, but half not, that legislators don't really care what I say. They want to make sure they know that this is the people back home um, that really feel this way about the issues. Um, we just help get it done. But our members are the reason we were able to achieve these things. You're absolutely right about that. And they were some big victories. Sure. No Wonderful. Doubt. All right. Well, thanks again for um, all your time working on these issues and updating us on them. And we'll uh, circle back with you next week. Thanks Sounds for good. having us. See you then.